I want to preface this message tonight. Uh, and I want you to grasp tonight about the Lord's Supper uh, that it's, it's a very solemn time. Uh, it's a very serious time. Uh, and I can tell you that, but until you buy into it, it won't make no never mind. Uh, I'm going to preach tonight on what the Lord done for us. Uh, but I really want you to think about what I'm preaching tonight. Uh, it's very, you know, the Lord, He didn't leave us too many things to do as far as the church. But one of the things He commanded us to do was have the Lord's Supper. Uh, it's not only a Baptist ordinance, but it is a Bible doctrine tonight. Uh, I, I'm glad I'm Baptist. I, I, if I wasn't Baptist, I'd be ashamed. But uh, I, it's a Bible doctrine. And uh, so I, I want to take it serious tonight. Uh, I want you to take your Bible and go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And then we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tonight. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5. We'll read one verse there, pray, and then uh, we'll read about the Lord's Supper over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So I'll ask you to stand tonight, uh, if you would. We'll go ahead and go to 2 Corinthians 5 and then go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll read them together tonight. 2 Corinthians 5 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 5 and verse 21, the very last verse in this chapter. And the Bible says, For he hath made him... To be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And then go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And let's begin to read uh, in verse uh, 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, uh, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and partly I believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What have you not houses to eat, and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you, this do ye in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthingly 
shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened to the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Ain't that a great thing? Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you, may, that you come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come and be seated tonight. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you uh, just, just for it all. Uh, we thank you for the evening that you've gave us and these dear people that are here Lord, I, I pray that each of us, including this preacher, would really understand uh, the seriousness of this service. That, Lord, that it, it really is about remembering what you've done for us. And that, Lord, I, without your help, we're not going to be able to uh, do this tonight. We're not going to be able to preach. And, Lord, we certainly need your help and need you to come by. All I want to do is depend on you and do what you told us to do. I pray, Lord, that as we partake of this Lord's Supper tonight, that you would be honored in it, that you would shine and be magnified in it, and, Lord, that we would be in our place in lowliness tonight. I pray we'd see you at Calvary for what you've done for us. I pray again, if there's somebody lost, save them. Have your way in folks' hearts tonight. Let us really see the seriousness and the solemnness of this meeting. Help us now for all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I read 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 at the beginning uh, simply because the Lord had impressed that uh, greatly on my heart this afternoon. As I sat down to look over this message and to... Uh, pray about it, I was reminded so greatly uh, how that the Lord died for us. Now, it was a substitutionary death. You understand tonight that He took your place. It ought to have been you at Calvary. It ought to have been me hanging on the tree tonight. Uh, but friend, if I could get us to see tonight uh, uh, that Jesus died for us, uh, so that we don't have to, uh, uh, then I've done my job tonight. Second Corinthians 5, he said, For he, uh, talking about God the Father, uh, hath made him, uh, talking about Jesus Christ, uh, to be sin for us. It was substitutionary. Now when we partake of the Lord's Supper, I really want you to see tonight and think about it as we're going to uh, eat this bread and drink of this cup uh, that, that what Christ done. The church at Corinth had turned it in uh, uh, to a party, if I could say it that way. Uh, for lack of better words, and Paul was rebuking them and trying to help them. Uh, uh, he said, some are hungry, some are drunken. Uh, uh, he said, you're not coming to this thing uh, uh, to eat. It's, it's not to eat and get full. 
It's not to eat and have supper. That's what he was telling them. He said, if any man hunger, let him eat at home. Uh, this thing is a remembrance of, of what the Lord done. As the Apostle Paul said right here, uh, that he had received the night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread. And he's talking about the time uh, uh, of the Passover. And so we do not celebrate the Passover, but we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Three things I want us to see uh, uh, out of this passage of Scripture tonight. Uh, number one, I want to see, first of all, the Savior. We want to see Jesus. I believe that's what it's all about. I believe that's what this is about tonight. I believe that's what every time we come in here should be about. I believe every morning that me and you wake up, it ought to be about Jesus. I mean, He's the one that saved us. He's the one that keeps us. He's the one that blesses us and takes care of us. It's all about Him. I heard somebody say something, uh, uh, you know, the, Christian, uh, the Christian's uh, 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 anthem or our motto or our, our sign tonight uh, uh, ought to be about the, the empty tomb. Uh, uh, friend, we've got that on Sunday. Every, every first day of the week we celebrate uh, and that the resurrection uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we come to this service, it's not about His resurrection but it's about what He done for us. I want you to look, first of all, in verses 24 and 25. I want you to see that there was a suffering Savior. Notice right here, He said, This is my body which is broken for you, and this is my blood of the New Testament. He said, and it was shed, and that for us. Take your Bible and go to the book of John, chapter 19 tonight. Lord, you help us tonight, please. John 19, the Bible said in verse 1, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a, a purple robe and said, Hail, uh, uh, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. And Pilate therefore went forth again, uh, and saith unto them, Behold, uh, I bring him forth to you, uh, uh, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns uh, and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold, the man. Uh, the first thing that I see tonight about the Savior uh, uh, is that He suffered for us. He suffered. When, when we look at that word, then Pilate therefore took Jesus uh, and scourged Him. A lot of times we read over that. Uh, we don't consider what that word means. Uh, uh, but that word scourge literally means uh, uh, to whip severely uh, uh, or to punish uh, with severity. Just one word, the word scourge. They beat on him. But they just didn't beat on him. They whipped him unmercifully. 
I, I don't think that, that, that in all my trying tonight that I could get me and you to see uh, what Jesus suffered through for us. I mean, he willingly, you know, the Bible talks about in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, uh, as a lamb that's led to the slaughter, he openeth not his mouth. He literally uh, went to the, the, the whipping post uh, uh, for us. He literally went uh, without being made to go. Think about that. I want you to consider that tonight uh, uh, about what Jesus did. He not only was whipped unmercifully, uh, friend, till he was bloody, uh, uh, till, friend, he was unrecognizable. Uh, uh, the Bible said in Isaiah 52 uh, that his visage was marred uh, more than any man. He was unrecognizable uh, as a man. They beat on him. And you find right here that these soldiers, uh, not only did they scourge him, but they plaited a crown of thorns uh, and they put it on his head. Uh, and at one time the Bible says that staff, that rod that they put in his hand, they took it from him uh, uh, and they took that rod and they beat that crown of thorns uh, uh, down upon his head. And I remember hearing uh, Brother Hicks say one time while he was preaching, uh, them crown of thorns was not going in there by themselves. They knew who he was. And them old Roman soldiers, as they mocked him and made fun of him, uh, uh, and, and they took that rod and they beat that crown uh, down upon his head. Uh, and the Bible said right here in verse 3, uh, as they mocked him as the king of the Jews, uh, and they smote him with their hands. Can I park right here and say just for a second, wouldn't you hate to be them Roman soldiers at judgment? Think about that for a second. I'd hate to be you if you were lost tonight because you know the truth. There ain't a soul sitting in here tonight that don't know the truth. I'm looking across this house right now. We don't have a visitor one in here that I can see that ain't heard me preach several times over the years about the gospel you know what the gospel is, the death, the burial, and resurrection. I'm going to tell you, if you face Jesus without having been saved, friend, it ain't because you didn't know the truth, it's because you rejected the truth. But he suffered. When I, when I look at the Lord's Supper, when I look at this bread and, and this cup tonight, uh, uh, I see a Savior uh, uh, that suffered. I see one uh, that the soldiers beat on and they smote him. Uh, I see one that Pilate, he, he told them, he said, look, I don't find any fault. He was sinless, friend. He was sinless. He said, I don't find anything wrong with him. Boy, that's a big statement in itself. I believe three times Pilate said, I find no fault with him. Three times. Nobody could find any fault wrong with Jesus. But, but here is the man. I mean, Pilate, he presents him and he says, Behold the man. And here he is. You know why he's there? You know why Jesus is standing there beating a bloody mess uh, and his visage marred more than any man and some said that his bones stared at him uh, and I mean he was unrecognizable and he let him drive that crown of thorns down on his head and mock him and spit on him and beat on him and smite him. Do you know why he done all that? Me. <laughs> mm. 
Boy, I got to dwelling on that late this evening after I come out of my study. And I, and I thought, my soul, he, he didn't get nothing when he got me. And no matter what you think about yourself, he didn't get nothing when he got you either, friend. But he gave himself for me and you. I see a suffering Savior. I see one that hung on Calvary and gave his life for me and you. friend. And there where Christ was hanging between the heaven and the earth and open naked shame. And he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And God reached over and turned the lights out. And it was dark. I really believe, and I believe, I believe the old timers had it right when they say God looked away. I really believe God did look away. I believe that's why the lights went out. I believe God just quit looking. God, God seen him for what he was. What do you mean he's seen him for what he was? He's seen him for our sin. He's seen him as that substitutionary death. He's saying, if you go back to the text scripture, for he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous of God in him. But then he said in the book of 1 Corinthians, he said, take heed, this is my body, which is what? Broken for you. Broken for me. You ever had anybody do anything for you that they didn't have to do? Didn't have to. They done it because they wanted to. You wasn't going to pay them. You didn't ask to pay. They, they didn't ask you for no money. As a matter of fact, they might have done it. I, I, and you didn't even know that it was getting done while it was getting done. <laughs> boy, I didn't ask Jesus to go to Calvary. But boy, I sure am proud he did. Boy, Isaiah said, surely... He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. He said, now what? Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows, smitten of God and afflicted. Why? For us. It was substitutionary. That whipping was substitutionary. That mocking was substitutionary. Calvary was substitutionary. It all should have been us there. And then we couldn't have paid for it. If I, even if I could suffer and die for my sins, I, it wouldn't be good enough to please God. Oh, but I see a Savior Boy, that shed his blood. What did he say in the text verse? This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Boy, he shed his blood and gave that payment for sin. God's always required blood. I mean, from the very beginning of time, what, 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 what did he say uh, over there in the book of Matthew 26 uh, uh, when he's in the upper room up there and he's celebrating the Passover with his disciples? He said, for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many uh, for the remission of sins. That blood, as we drink this cup tonight, 
this side, excuse me, as we drank this cup, he made a payment. Now, listen, I want you to grab something tonight and get a hold of it. He could have died, but that was not good enough. There had to be shed blood for our sin. Uh, it's, it's like the Passover lamb in Exodus 12. They could have took that Passover lamb and put it up from the 10th to the 14th day and watched it. Uh, and, and then they could have knocked it in the head and thrown it over in the bushes and it had done them no good. But they had to catch that blood in a basin and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel. The blood had to be applied. And see, that's the same thing in our life. Uh, uh, the blood has to be applied, uh, except we cannot do the application. Uh, he must do the application. First Peter 1, For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of lamb without blemish and without spot. He said we were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the blood of Christ. So it made the payment uh, for sin. It made the payment. It paid what we could not pay. You know, the old, the, the, the old saying is, is, is we, we, had a, we had a debt that we could not pay. And boy, that was true. We sing that old song out of the Redback book sometimes. An old account was settled long ago. And in and, 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 and part of that song, it talks about, for I was always sinning and never tried to pay. It wouldn't matter if we did try to pay. We, we, we couldn't settle that thing. But the blood of Christ did. When, when, when God, I, I, want you, I want you to understand this tonight. When God looked down from heaven, and I don't, listen, I know this is what happened. I just don't know how it happened. You know, there's just some things in life you know, but you just don't know how. In, in, in God's infinite mercy and grace and love and wisdom, God looked down from heaven and he imputed my sin to Christ. What's that mean, preacher? He put my sin on him. And he imputed, according to Romans 4, he imputed Christ's righteousness unto us. Ain't that something? And he done it all because of that shed blood over there. Because when you read that thing and, and you understand about the shed blood, he, he said in Revelations 1 and 5, and from Jesus Christ who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So not only did it make the payment for sin, but it washed us clean. How'd that happen? I don't know. How did he make the application? I don't know. But I know that he did. I know that he did. I, I, I mean, it's not magical and it's not mystical, uh, uh, but it is a spiritual thing, but it's a real thing uh, at the same time. I don't know how he washed me clean, but he did. I'm glad he did too. Because you know what? I stand before God justified tonight 
Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. I got justified in the blood of Christ. I've got wrote down right here that a perfect blood makes a perfect sacrifice. <laughs> See, all them other sacrifices made down through time, they were not perfect. That's why Christ had to come. Hebrews tells us that it was not by the blood of bulls and goats and by calves and all those things, but by the blood of the Lord Jesus. So I see a Savior right here in verses 24 and verses 25 that suffered. I see a Savior that made a substitutionary death and a Savior that shed His blood. It should have been me and you tonight. They should have been there. So I see a Savior. Number two, I see a second coming. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He comes. So not only do when we partake of it, when, when we eat the bread and drink the cup, not, not only do we see the Savior who was beat for us and was crucified and died for us. But I see that he's coming again. Because he said, as, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus, I, I know, listen, I know, I, I know Romans 4 and 25. And he was delivered for our offenses, yet raised again for our justification. I understand that verse. But I think you need to remember, and I need to remember, Jesus died for us. He died for us. But when I look at this tonight, I'm going to partake of this bread and this cup just like you. I'm going to remember that he's coming again. I'm going to remember. That ought to make you want to do something for the Lord. Amen. That ought to make you want to do something. There, there was a parable I read it the other day in the scripture uh, about the one that uh, they, you know, the the key. He went away to receive a kingdom, uh, uh, and there was those that uh, was supposed to be taking part and and doing what they're supposed to do, but they never did. As a matter of fact, they beat on those because they were not expecting the king to come back, especially so soon. It was almost 2,000 years ago that Jesus died for us. Almost 2,000. Do you realize he's coming again? I mean, he's coming again. I keep waiting any day for him to come. I, I figure, I figure, just, just any time. He said, now preacher, everything is just the same way that's always been. Boy, you sound like them people over in Second Peter. <laughs> you know, that's what the scoffers always say. You know, everything's been the same since the creation. Why, well, ain't done it. And by the way, Jesus came the first time. What makes you think he won't come the second time? But you know what? He's coming for us. The first, when he comes, he's coming for the church. First Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, ought to be some of the best scripture for us as his church. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I don't have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw not even 
has others which have no hope. I'm glad I got a hope tonight. When I lay down tonight, if I die in my sleep, I've got a hope. Now listen, I ain't getting a bus load up tonight to go, but I know I'm going. To heaven, that is. I kind of always wonder what it's going to be like to get there and, and to get before him. Because I, I'm going to tell you, I know and realize I don't deserve to be there. The only thing that makes me deserving of being there is him. And, and I know when I get there, I'm going to be there because of him. And I always kind of wonder what that's going to be like because, uh, I, because I know me. But boy, I'm sure glad he knows me too. So he said that you shall not, even as others which have no hope. I've got a hope. If you're saved, you do too. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That is the, uh, that is the gospel, the death and the resurrection. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the iron. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. He said those are comforting words. I think for a lot of people they're not that comforting. I think for some saved people they're not that comforting. We like living down here too much sometimes. They even consider over yonder. But I'm glad he's coming. I'm glad he's going to change me when he comes. What was it? The Apostle Paul said, Behold, I show you mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Gone, gone out of here. You, you, know why, you know why I make sure that our cat in the house has plenty of water and something to eat? You say, because you like your cat. Well, that's debatable. Especially for Miss Latham. You know why? There's coming a day I won't be here. I'll be gone. I tell you, that thing ain't going to heaven. Y'all will catch that here in a second. Preacher, do you really? I do really think that way. Because there's going to be coming a day that I'm not going to be here. He's going to come and get us and I'm waiting on that day. And so when I partake of this Lord's Supper tonight, I'm reminded of what he's done for me. But I'm reminded that he's coming for me. That I'm his. We sing that old song out of the Blueback Book. I am his and he is mine. What a wonderful song. He's coming to rule and reign one day. He's coming to rule and reign. Number three. Talking about what I see in the Lord's Supper. I see a Savior and I see a second coming. And then number three, I see a self-examination. In verse 28, in verse 27, excuse me. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself, 
And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I think you ought to be right with the Lord. I think you need to examine yourself. I think you, you need to look. Let God help you look. Don't hide anything. You know, he, he said in, in the book of 2 Corinthians 13, he said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, no, you're not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates. Well, how do you do that? Can I ask you how you got saved? There, there, there was a lady over at the nursing home, and I've got to be very careful right here uh, because she told me some private stuff, and I don't, I don't want to share that. But uh, she, uh, she talked to me on, on, on a couple of occasions, and, and, and she, she, she would say there was always something bothering her, and, and, and she just didn't feel right, but she knew she was saved. And, but, but she just didn't feel right. And, and there was something wrong, and, and, uh, and, and I, got, I got worried about her. I did because, I mean, people will tell you they're saved, but you just don't know. But she was adamant on that thing. And finally one day, I caught her down there at the end of the hallway, and she looked up at me out of that, out of that wheelchair, and uh, she said, Preacher, you're worried about me, ain't you? I said, Yeah, I am worried about you. <laughs> And uh, I said, would you tell me how you got saved? And so she did. And, and she gave me a good, a good uh, a plan of salvation that took place in her heart, what God had done for her. And come to find out, here's the part I've got to be careful about. She'd done some things later on in her teenage years that uh, she'd gotten trouble about. And uh, she said, well, 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 will that keep me out of heaven? Will that send me to hell? I said, did you get saved when you was 14? She told me she got saved when she was 14. I said, you get saved when you was 14 years old? And she said, yeah. I said, there ain't nothing gonna keep you out of heaven. Nothing. I said, I said did you deal with this back when, I mean, she's 85 years old. And I said, did you deal with this when, when, when you were younger? And she said, yeah, I dealt with that. And I said, well, then if you dealt with it with the Lord, then, then he's forgave it. And he's took care of it. But what her problem was is she had just never took care of it. That thing had eat on her and eat on her. But I was worried about her salvation. And I got her to tell me how she got saved. How did you get saved? What did you do to get saved? I ain't talking about being baptized. I'm not talking about joining the church. I'm not talking about being confirmed. I'm talking about did you find yourself in a place to where you bowed your head and bowed your heart and trusted Jesus to save you? I'll guarantee you most of us probably did not pray the same prayer. Some may not have got saved at church. Some may have got saved at home, tent revival, vacation Bible school, like that young man the other day got saved on the job. Maybe it was Brother Daniel that could tell you that he got saved at an archery competition at the bumper of a van. 
What did you do to get saved? You know, the Bible said that if you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that you're lost and are a sinner and ask Him to save you, He would save you. Preacher, you make that sound so easy. It is so easy. Well, don't we have to do this or give this up or do that? No, you just got to give you up. Did you get saved by what the Bible said? You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Over the years, the devil has, has bothered me about things. And, but I, I love that verse in Matthew 11 when he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's all I knew to do that night was come to Christ. I didn't know nothing else to do. Didn't know a thing. When he found me lost, I didn't know a thing. But I knowed if I'd come to him, that he'd say. So over the years, I have examined myself and looked at my salvation. I come like the Bible said to come. And when I got saved, there was a change that literally took place. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. Something happened to me the night that I got saved. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've had my problems over the years. And I've struggled at serving God right at times. and Getting things figured out and getting it done right and all those things. But there was a change that took place. I'm not the same person that I was before I got saved. Because Christ Jesus the Lord come in and resides on the inside. Need to examine yourself for salvation. Need to examine yourself for sin. Psalms 19, he said, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. He said, Lord, would you look and see? Proverbs 28, the writer said, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. But let a man examine himself. And so lay me to that bread and drink of that cup.